Welcome to a storyteller's episode of Ye Old Dragons Library. As the name implies, in these episodes we talk to storytellers and look behind the story to the process, the germinal ideas and inspiration, and the hours of thought and work that go into the gift of story. Welcome to a storyteller's episode of Ye Old Dragons Library very special post-conference interview with my partner in literary crime, Deborah Cullen-Smith, author of the award-winning Mina, Warrior in the Shadows. We're here in our hotel room, recovering from Realm Makers, <laughs> Realm Makers 2023 <laughs> in St. Louis. Barely conscious. Barely conscious. And semi-coherent. <laughs> semi-coherent. A little bit of background. Four years ago, this week, pretty much, yes. uh, Deb and I formed Yield Dragon Books after a long, long, long lunch at the Trainwreck <laughs> Saloon. Which is a restaurant. <laughs> yes, Trainwreck Saloon is a restaurant here in... Um, we weren't tying one on. No. <laughs> in Maryland Heights, which is outside of St. Louis. Um, nice little business plaza, shopping plaza by the hotel where we had the convention. This is our fifth year here, I think, at the Sheraton, isn't it? I believe so. We've been here a lot because yeah. we started at the University of Missouri here. Yeah, and then we went over to and uh, we outgrew it in, in Philadelphia. Yeah, we outgrew it rather rapidly. <laughs> but we had a long lunch, and we're talking about how it was so hard to get the attention of the publishers, and pretty much decided, yeah, we need to start our own label. So when we come here, we try to go to the train wreck saloon and have an anniversary dinner. Which we anniversary did. lunch, which we yes. finally did this year. We did this year again, yes. So, right off the bat, which was good because they tore up that whole area and it was next to impossible to get to. So you all get to meet Deb finally. All the other interviews so far have taken place over Zoom. This is live face-to-face -face, using one microphone. So if there are audio difficulties, uh, we apologize in advance. We're still figuring things out. Well, I'm still figuring things out. Deb is my victim. <laughs> <laughs> Not victim, guinea pig. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had hoped to do some in-person um, chats with different writers uh, since there were 500 of us here this weekend. And it was just too noisy to conduct oh. interviews. I didn't even bother bringing my computer down to the main area after the, the acoustics are so difficult down there in the bookstore it it's loud and loud. It echoes and yeah it's so kind of a sensory nightmare <laughs> but i have talked to a number of realm makers who are going to be joining me via zoom in the weeks to come and you will get to meet them learn about their books and have some fun but for now it's deb's turn on the hot seat <laughs> So why don't you start out by telling us how you got started writing? I've always written stories. I've written stories since I was about 10 years old and wrote my adventures on Pirate Island and my adventures on a lost island and my adventures doing this and doing that. And I'd illustrate them, which nobody will ever, ever see, ever. <laughs> Of course. Unless I talk to your children and get into your, your story box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, post, posthumously, posthumously, of course, yes, posthumously. But I, I've always done that. 
and I wanted to write and I tried to write as a young adult and met with just abysmal failure. And so I, ga I gave up and I said, obviously, God, this is not what I'm going to be able to do. You know, this is just not going to work. And I remember going to a Sunday school convention in Denver one year and there was this one session, how to write and get published, I think, or something like that. And it, it was like God highlighted it. And I said, no, been there, done that, not going to do it again. And so I chose another class on the list. And I got to that classroom and there was a big sign on the door that said class canceled. Oh, no. <laughs> and I looked at, I said, oh, doggone it. I really wanted to go to that one. And I looked down at my list again and God highlighted right for publication again. And I said, I'm not doing this. I've already done, done this, tried this. It didn't work. So I went to another classroom, chose another one off the list, and I got to that classroom. I kid you not, class canceled. And I said, all right, before you cancel the whole convention, I'll go. You know, I mean, I look down and there it is highlighted again. And I'm going, I, I give up. You've canceled two classes. I can take a hint. So I went to the Write for Publication class and was introduced to a writer's market book, which I did not even know existed. So I gave it a try again and got poetry. Of all things, I got poetry published. And that was kind of my beginning. And that was back in the 80s. And that was all I did for several years was poetry and some uh, short devotionals and things like that. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll try for biblical fiction. Again, an abysmal failure. And uh, a friend of mine at a high school reunion was into sci-fi fantasy, just mainstream sci-fi fantasy. And he said, give your hand, give it a try, Deb. Just, just try this. And I'm going, oh, not my genre, Jim. Not my genre at all. And he's going, no, 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 just try it. And so I tried one story for just a little writer's group he was in, and I was hooked. And now I'm writing Christian, of all things, Christian horror, speculative fiction. You know, a lot of people look at me and say, is that even a real thing? Christian horror? Uh, the book of Revelation? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, who better to write about angels and demons than yeah. a Christian? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, to clarify, is this Jim the Bard? Uh, yes, it is. This is Jim K. Bowers, and he he wrote the... Uh, yeah, uh, Jim did some poetry, poetry. for our um, Two Old Dragons Writing Weird Stories anthology. Yes, yes, he wrote the two dragon poems Great. in that. Yes. So, and it's his he, fault. Yes, he dragged me. <laughs> I, I still maintain he dragged me kicking and screaming into this genre, and uh, that's okay. all I write now, and it's it's just been a blast. So and then he got saved a few years later. So I've been really tickled about that. Good. <laughs> I can't claim any part in that, but I was tickled nonetheless. Okay. So you've been in that that one writing group for quite a while. Oh yeah, yeah. It's called the Hersher Project, which was our hometown. Okay. And uh, but it's it's a pretty much a multinational. Group. We've got members in Norway, Sweden, we've got one in Singapore. I mean, we've just got a worldwide group in the Hersher Project. And it all started in this little one-horse town in northern Illinois. <laughs> okay. So who else 
is published? Or is it just everybody just writing for the fun of it, for the love of it? And um, really... Everybody's kind of writing for the fun of it. We do have a few. Um, there's a guy named Matt Summers who's published. I believe Angela Perry might be published. Lynn Perry is published. Is that it? Lyndon. Lyndon. Um, He's a Realme, right? I I think he is now. Yeah. I think Lyndon is is a, a Realme now. He's not been yet, and he's uh, he's a retired pastor, and he's living down in Puerto Rico now. So I don't know that we're ever going to get him here. Okay. Um. But yeah. Cool. He's a really sweet guy. Yeah, Lynn Perry. One of our most probably one of our most illustrious ones was a guy named Chris Jackson. And he has got just dozens and dozens of books that are published. He writes a lot of uh, swashbuckling, oh, cool. uh, pirate-type books. And he's got an assassin series called uh, Weapons of Flesh. And, but he's probably our most, our most famous and most prolific writer. So and, far. Yeah, so far. Yeah, so far. <laughs> so, yeah, we've got a few that have gone on and done pretty amazing things. Great. And I still have hopes for Jim. I, I keep pushing him for publication because he is really a dynamite yeah. writer. He's very good. Okay, so what was the first thing that you got published? Either professionally or, you know, amateur, like in a fanzine or some group uh, project? or Actually, the very first, first thing that got published, my ex-husband was in the Air Force, and the very first thing was even before that conference in Denver, one of the gals that ran the Officer's Wives Club came to me, and she's, I had volunteered to help out with the OWC, and she said, I want you to write an article for our newsletter. I want you to do an Irma Bombeckish column for us. <laughs> and Debbie's Diary was born. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, I can see where you've got the sense of humor. Yes, and... I said, oh, I can't do that. And she said, yes, you can. And I don't know what she saw in me that she thought I could do this. But it became so popular that the wives were complaining that their husbands were stealing the OWC newsletter out of the mailbox to read Debbie's diary before they got their hands on it. <laughs> and I was getting accosted at the, the officer's club on Friday nights by the men going, I read your column and laughed my butt off. <laughs> so you had fans from the beginning. I had fans from the beginning, yes, because I it, we were in Louisiana, so I wrote about the enormous cockroaches that oh. fly off the wall, and cockroaches don't have any right to be flying, no. but they flew off the wall at you. Yeah, uh, and... Um, the fact that every time my husband went TDY, I would paint a room because he was gone and I didn't have to ask his permission. So I, he would be telling me, no, 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 don't paint, don't paint. And, the, and so the minute he left and went somewhere else, mm -hmm. I'd paint. And then I'd always run out of paint. So I'd be running back to the store, holding out my shirt and going, it's this color. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And so they were always laughing at whatever I was putting in my newsletter you know and I was embarrassing my husband to, almost to tears and he'd be Good. going you put this in the newsletter and the and uh, you know of course the other men were all going my wife does the same thing you know <laughs> so I mean it was all relatable but yeah, yeah I was mortifying my husband to death <laughs> you're admitting we have cockroaches 
never going to lose <laughs> Yes, yes. And they're enormous. I mean, these things can carry away small children. You know, oh, they're enormous. Well, they're just huge. I don't suppose you have copies of those around like, you know. Um, yeah, I do. I actually do. I kept copies of all of them. That might be fun to do a collection someday. <laughs> when you're, when you're famous and, and <laughs> people are willing to read anything you write, including yeah. your grocery list. <laughs> They were fun. They were yeah. a lot of fun. <laughs> so yeah, I've I've done a myriad of things. Great in the past, yeah. So you moved from from um, Irma uh, Bombeck Irma to Irma Bombeck to uh, poetry and some little devotions, and then on into speculative fiction. Yeah. So I have run the gamut. So when did you decide, okay, several times this weekend, Deb has described herself as when Stephen King meets Billy Graham in the Twilight Zone. Yes. When did you, <laughs> when did you realize you were in the Twilight Zone? Well, I've always adored the Twilight Zone. And I guess it was while I was in the Hersher Project and I was doing my short stories with Jim, or for Jim, for Jim's projects. I started realizing that I was always coming up with these stories with a twist. You know, they would start going one way and you would think they were going that way. And then I would do something at the end because it was like God would tap me on the shoulder. And, you know, I'd be riding along and then he'd say, you know, it would be really cool if you do whoop, this. <laughs> and I'd go, oh, yeah, God, that's a really good idea. Let's do that. And, and I'd twist it so that it was like it would totally end up, you know, another way around. There was one story that I wrote, spoiler, spoiler, there was one story that I wrote that was about a woman warrior, a female warrior, maybe I better reword that, a female warrior, and her village has been under attack, and her children have been under attack, and they are just about to be totally decimated. She is pretty much the last one standing, and I've described all this warfare, and the villagers around her have fallen and I'm describing the the fall of her husband and the fall of her neighbors and she is the last one and the marauders are coming at her with their weapons and as she screams and falls the last dragon dies and humankind takes over uh-huh yeah that's it's hard to tell it I could say it on paper because I could correct myself it's hard to tell it and word it so that it comes out right but yeah I could use the names and everything in the story but it's hard to not give away the fact that the main characters were the dragons uh-huh uh yeah so it but it was a really fun one to write yeah that was okay. a lot of fun so why didn't you put that in our two old dragons writing words stories anthology you didn't have a copy or yeah I've got I've got a copy of it um I don't know I don't know. <laughs> well, maybe we'll just have to do a Two Old Dragons Writing Weird Stories Volume 2. Volume 2? Yeah. Yeah, we when could things do that. slow down. After you write Mina Book Mina 2. Mina 2. Yes. yes. Mina 2 is on the drawing board. Actually, Mina 2 is about, I think, 6,000 words in. Great. Yeah. I, I have been working on her, but she's very slow. I know part of the problem is because this book will deal with a lot of anger issues in Mina. And Deb has some anger <laughs> issues that are very much at the forefront these days with yeah. some personal things. And 
I would like very much to take Mina's sword up and and do some whacking of my own. So, um, I, I'm I'm having difficulty making Mina deal with her anger issues that I'm really not wanting to deal with myself. Gotta wait till uh, life calms down a little bit before. Well, I know I just need to deal with my anger issues, and yes. I think that's what God's trying to make me do. Well, do what I do. Name a lot of the villains after the people who are hacking you off right now. And, <laughs> and then and, just kill them off with yeah, the book. Yeah. Well, no, don't kill them. Mortally embarrass them. <laughs> you know, for the for the amusement of the populace. <laughs> That's more fun. Well, most of the characters in the book that need to be totally annihilated are men, so you know, Uh-oh. it's not gonna work to <laughs> do that in this case, but um uh, yeah, I I won't go any further than that on the air. I think what's cool about the Mina stories is all the historical research that you do to make sure that, you know, it feels like it's happening in, in our real world, in our real history. Well, it, it did at one time. Yeah. I mean, I am taking episodes from history so I'm I'm researching and and I remember something that Eugenia Price said she was a really amazing historical writer and everything that she wrote was accurate I mean down to the minutest detail she made sure that her history was accurate and she said somebody may not read a history book, but they'll pick up my novel. Uh So it is my responsibility to make sure it's as accurate as possible. And I've remembered that, and I've remembered that all these years, and I've I've wanted to follow in her footsteps with that. So I, I know that so much that Hollywood does is completely inaccurate. Balderdash. Yes. And it pains me that they've been so inaccurate. Mm-hmm. I, one really good example is in Mina Two. It takes place in New Mexico during the Lincoln County Wars, which was the era of Billy the Kid and Henry Tunstall. And in any of the movies like um, Young Guns, Henry Tunstall is portrayed as this older man that befriends Billy the Kid. In reality... Henry Tunstall was 23 years old when he died. So he was a contemporary of Billy's. Mm -hmm. They were almost the same age. There was maybe one to two years difference between them. He was not the older man being a father figure to Billy. And that's something that almost every movie, every TV show has gotten wrong. Yeah. And they've probably done it for creative license so that it looks better on screen rather than Henry being this friend of his that they were just buddy buddy it's the father son thing but it's not right it's inaccurate so I'm writing it correctly maybe you should back up and explain who Mina is and the parts of her story that are not historical Okay, (laughs) Mina Harker was Bram Stoker's creation. She was the woman in Dracula's life who more or less resembled his wife whenever he was human. And so whenever he comes across Mina Harker, when he comes to England from Transylvania and he sees her, he falls in love with her. He wants to claim her. And this is Bram Stoker's story. 
He wants to claim her, but then he is hesitant to turn her, but she begs him to turn her. He starts the process, but he doesn't kill her. And then she ends up being the one to kill him. Now, that's Stoker's story. True to Stoker. True to Stoker. I pick up after Dracula is dead. He's been vanquished by Van Helsing and Mina Harker and her husband, Jonathan Harker. And that's where my story, Mina, Warrior in the Shadows, picks up. Mm-hmm. Should I spoil Mina? <laughs> I, I don't know how much I should say about Mina. I don't. Just a, a general idea. Okay. The fact that there's a second story means that Mina does survive her first book. She does survive, but I don't want to give away who, you know, anybody who doesn't. I don't want to say too much. Yeah. Um, she has a lot of heartache. Yeah, there is a lot of heartache. Trials and testing to overcome. There is, I will say this, Henry Tunstall from history mm-hmm. was British and his parents lived in London and they were grocers. So I put them in Mina's neighborhood as her grocers, and Henry worked in their store and met Mina's maid and was in love with her. And I I will give away that much. Betsy was one of another vampire's casualties. So that is what spurs Henry to go to America. Now, you know, obviously that's not what spurred Henry Tunstall to go to America in in real life, but he did go to America. Go to America. He went to Canada, and then from Canada, he followed the gold rush to California. And from there, he met a man named Alec McSween who talked him into going to Lincoln County and starting their business. You know, I've kind of Mm -hmm. engineered that so that he left with heartache, you know. But that's how I got Henry Tunstall into Mina's storyline. In book two, Henry's parents have come to Mina and said, we've gotten a letter. We're a little concerned about Henry. Would you go check, Would on, you him? Go check on him? And she takes off for America to go check on Henry. And that's how she ends up embroiled in the Lincoln County War with Henry Tunstall, Billy the Kid, and the rest, you know... Uh, some cameo appearances and by some Doc cameo. Holliday. Yes, she ends up uh, running into Doc Holiday along the line, which means that in book three, she's probably going to wind up in Tombstone. Uh huh. So Good. yes, there will so, be a book three. You've heard it right here. Yes, yes. So uh, look for the OK Corral uh, in book three, and I I kind of know how I'm working that in, but um, you got to write book two first. Yes, I've got to write book two first, and. Our anthology, Moonlight and Claws, we had to come up with a werewolf story. <laughs> right. And I got to thinking about it, and I was already working on book two, and I was just trying to kind of wrap my head around a werewolf theme, and I thought, you know what? I'd been researching Billy the Kid and, and researching all these things, and I thought, Billy could not be held in a jail cell. He was the biggest escape artist the Wild West ever saw. What if he was a shapeshifter? Uh-huh. <laughs> and that's how we ended up with Billy the Kid being a werewolf. And there is a legend of shapeshifters within Indian lore. Yes. And one of his best friends was a half-breed. He was half-Mexican, half-Indian, Chavez Chavez. So... I have Billy and Chavez out on a prairie doing a little peyote. 
and they come across a pack of wolves and one of those wolves breaks off and bites Billy and he starts shape-shifting at the full moons. Uh-huh. And that's how Billy becomes a shapeshifter, a werewolf. We are going to stop right here and turn this episode into a two-parter. So make sure you come back next week so we can finish up this chat with Deborah Cullen Smith. This is episode 24, so the next Storyteller episode will be 27. So meet us back here next week for part two and hear more about Billy the Kid, the werewolf, and Mina, warrior in shadows. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope you had fun and we gave you something to think about and investigate further in our guest author's storytelling worlds. Check the podcast notes and the Ye Old Dragon Books blog for information on the books discussed in each of our podcasts and how to find our guest authors online. And remember to keep listening for more fantastical stories. For inside scoops and exclusive access to stories before they're officially released, please consider joining the Ye Old Dragons Library Patreon group and help support this podcast. Thanks for listening.